I want to invite you to turn to your Bible, Exodus chapter 20. Then we're going to flip to Exodus chapter 19. So Exodus 20, then Exodus 19. A little bit later on, we're going to flip forward to Matthew chapter 16. Those will be the main three passages we're in this morning. So I'd like to encourage you to get your book Bible. We're still unplugged in this series so that you can follow along. Exodus chapter 20 and then Exodus 19 on to Matthew chapter 6. We'll get there in just a moment. We're talking about being unplugged. And we're talking about embracing God's rest. Last week, what we learned was the context of how God invaded this system of endless commodity, endless work, and invited the Israelites into rest. And actually, he provides it. And in that, what he's doing is he's describing who he is. He is a God that is not obsessed with more and gain and commodity and consumption. Then we talked about how he invites us into the same thing. And whereas it was once thrust upon the Israelites, we often embrace this system of commodity by choice. And God is inviting us away from that. He's inviting us to experience him, to find rest in him, and that is this thing we call Sabbath. So let's just jump right into it a little bit more this morning. And then our third week, next Sunday, hopefully we'll be back together and we'll be doing this unplug thing the way we designed it to be. But next week, we'll actually talk about these real practical steps that we can put in place to honor the Sabbath, but to get all that God intended out of this thing called rest, a day of rest and a lifestyle, really, of rest that goes against this system of commodity. That'll be next week. This week, I want you to look first at Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. Excuse me, verse 2. Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. This is what it says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, this is put just before the Ten Commandments would be given. So the Ten Commandments is kind of like a preamble or a table of contents to all of the law. And so God is giving this, but before he gives that, he wants a reminder. I want to remind you who I am. I am the God who brought you out of slavery, who brought you out of Pharaoh's house, brought you out of this system of slavery and commodity and gain and making bricks, endless bricks that you had to make. I am that God who brought you out of this. In a very real way, God is saying, what you knew there, that does not define me. Why would God bring them out of a system if he was the same kind of God? Wouldn't make any sense. Why would God offer you and I salvation in Jesus Christ and put us back into the burden and torment that buying into the system of our world demands. It's not who God is. That's what he's declaring in this one verse. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. This is who I am, out of the house of slavery. Now, everyone would remember what it was like to live in Pharaoh's place. They had lived it for generations. They had been slaves to Pharaoh's addiction to commodity. They would work endless work. And it was to fulfill an endless drive, hear this, for more. That is what their purpose had become, 
to be people of commodity, to satisfy Pharaoh's endless drive for more and more and more, more bricks to build more cities, to build more storehouses, to carry more of his stuff. And so God rescues them. They remember this at Mount Sinai when the law is handed. It's about to happen after the verse we just read that the law is handed down in the form of commandments. And they rightly didn't view these. They did not view the law rightly as simply do's and don'ts. They viewed them as new life apart from the demands of Pharaoh. New life apart from Pharaoh. It is like Christ saying, I offer you a new life. But then Christ says, and now here's how I want you to live. If we like, we can just interpret the new ways of life that Christ offers you and I as do's and don'ts. This is not a list of do's and don'ts. We would be missing the invitation and the characteristic of God that's behind it. These people weren't missing it at this point. They were understanding. In fact, that's how we get Exodus chapter 19, verse 8. If you'll flip back and you'll see that when, when <coughs> Moses had read all this to the people, then we actually find this same verse shows up at the end of the reading of the law, which was long. This is what the people say before and then after. Verse 8, chapter 19. The people all responded with one voice. Everything that the Lord has said, we will do. We will do. Everything the Lord says, we will do. They are like, I am on board. And rightfully, they're saying that Sabbath is an invitation that to throw off Pharaoh's system and to have new life, something totally different, and they are on board. We will do this. Have you ever looked at the Ten Commandments? One, two, three, all the way to ten. You're going to notice that the greatest amount of time, by far, that God uses word-wise, amount of space, has to do with Sabbath. Why? Because God is inviting them into new life that is not defined by consumption. It's not defined by endless work and more and more and more and gain. There is ceasing. There is rest. And they rightfully understand this. And they welcome this. And they said, I will, we will do everything God has said that we should do because we trust his character. We trust what he's done for us. And we trust where he's leading us. Listen, what a testimony today. If you could just stop and say, I trust the character of Christ. I trust what he's done in my life. And I trust where he wants to lead me. I think it's that last one we struggle with a lot. We like to hang on, Jesus is great. He saved me. But I would trust where he wants to take me and what he wants to transform me into. That is what they're declaring. I want you to hear this. Through Sabbath, we are invited to resist what our world values and to give testimony to something alternate, an alternative that's found through this. A simple act of faith and worship. That is what Sabbath is. So let's start with a question. What exactly does this whole thing of Sabbath entail? What is it, is the question. Well, a couple things to come to mind here this morning. The first is this. It is ceasing in the form of a day of rest. 
That is what they understood. The word Sabbath was actually the word Shabbat, which means this. It literally means secession, to cease from. The word doesn't literally mean rest. We get rest from it, but it means to stop, to cease. Notice that when it says that, we often think of Sabbath in terms of complete everything that you can possibly complete, and then if there's some time left over, take a little breather, right? Catch your breath. Have a Sabbath. That's not what we understand this word to mean. It means that we would actually stop. Sometimes right in the middle. Sometimes when there's more work to be done. It would mean the discipline of saying, I cease. This is so different. So different than what the Israelites had experienced. To cease from what? Well, from work, but more precisely to understand it in the biblical context to cease from the gain that work offers. Can you say that with me? Cease from the gain that work offers. We're always after gain. The heart is driven by gain. A little more, any way we can get it. A little more time to get a little bit more done. That's the way we think. Pharaoh understood this principle. He set up his whole kingdom on top of this. So he creates his system and he exploits God's people for what? His gain. Because he's driven by it. Listen, don't be confused. Our hearts can be driven by gain as well. And whether we exploit somebody else or not, we are certainly many times exploiting ourselves or exploiting what God has to offer. Our current socioeconomic system understands what Pharaoh understood. It demands a 24-7 Gain a little more mindset, and it never turns off, ever. In fact, we often wear it around like a badge of honor. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing more and more. But whereas the Israelites, they were forced into this system, we often freely choose it. We heap it upon ourselves. We buy into the mindset that we need it. And it develops into even wanting it. Either way, the character of God, the way of God, does not support this. It does not support a system that will not cease and stop. This is most evident in this action of Shabbat, of ceasing, of intentionally offering people, you and I, a system that has rest. But when we choose this system, it offers no rest. In fact, it demands that we not rest. So this is not what the day of Sabbath is about. In the day of Sabbath, we get to cease from gain. Here's the second thing, is it intentionally setting time apart for God, for worship. We get this, not just worship service. Here's how we've misunderstood it at times. We've thought, oh, it's Sabbath. I need to get to church, right? And then I'll plan all of this activity, all of this gain, all of this stuff, you know, for myself, for my kids, for whatever. But I got to church. That's not how God designed this. He designed it that we would actually cease. God made the Sabbath, get this, day holy, which simply means, we talked last week, it was set apart, Set apart. Why? Set apart for what? For ourselves? For our family? Well, yes and no. What do we mean? 
In Exodus 20.10, God says this, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Who is the Sabbath to? Not to me. The Sabbath is to the Lord our God. The Sabbath is a way of saying, you are God. And I get to come to you and I get to worship you. In fact, they saw Sabbath as this. It's a day set apart to worship. I know what you're thinking, like, what, we got a 24-hour worship service going on? No, you're, you're narrow in your thinking of worship if you think that. It was a day of worship. And what God did is he says this. <clears throat> this is a day where you get to strip away the idea of gain. You get to strip away work, gain, more and more. You get to strip away commodity. You get to strip away consumption. You get to strip away those things that the other six days occupy your mind and your activity in many ways. And you're just invited to come to me in this day, to enjoy me, to enjoy what I have to offer. And can I tell you, like I said last week, what the character of God has to offer you? Rest. Rest. The character of God offers rest. And yet, when we, when we choose not to intentionally set apart that time and that day, what we're basically doing is we are rejecting what God has to offer. The invitation of God to say, I have my own way. I got to get this done. I got to do this. I got to build this. I got to make this happen. I got to do this here. And God is saying, but, but I'm offering you something that clearly you don't understand. Because if you understood it and you embraced it and you welcomed it and you got to experience it, you would love it. You never want to give that up. That's what he's offering. This intentional way of ceasing. Now, God would know that even his Israelites, who he rescues, would struggle with this. It's one of the reasons it shows up in the Ten Commandments in commandment form. Even though it displays the character of God and the invitation of God, it also sets very strongly, we will do this. You will do this. And there are many times we find in the Old Testament where God has to reroute their thinking back to Sabbath understanding. In fact, if you wanted to so do your own research in Sabbath thinking, you will find it doesn't just pop up in these commands here or there. It is everywhere, embedded everywhere, Sabbath mentality, being intentional about stopping. No work gets in the way, no striving, no more gets in the way, no list of things we have to get done. We're simply open to come to God. And in this coming, we find rest. Rest is a byproduct of the day of worship. It's not the focus, I'm gonna rest. It is a day where I go before God, stripped away of the, the striving to gain. I get to experience God. And in that, I find rest in this day for myself, for my family, for anyone that I might have any type of authority over or leadership over. Everyone finds rest. In fact, there's only one gain in this day. And that is the gain I get when I come to God. Listen, some of you, it's been a long, long time since you've come to God. You've come to a worship service, maybe. Maybe you've altered your schedule a little bit so it's a little flexible on Sunday. 
But when have you stripped away your day to come to God? Now, the worship service is a huge part of that. But your mentality will change for what happens in a worship service when your mentality changes on what the day of rest is all about. What Sabbath, Shabbat, is really offering. Third thing is this. It's resisting the push for commodity, for endless gain, and for more, more, and more. Sabbath is saying no. It's saying no to this current system. No. This system we've bought into. You and I as well, we've bought into this system. It's seven days, it's 24 seven, it's get some more done, you know, get to church so I can get out and get the deck built and whatever. It's all of this stuff. Sabbath is saying no. No to this system. It's saying no to another day of work. It's saying no to another day of gain. It's saying no to another day of striving for more or to be better or to squeeze a little more into the day or into our schedule. It is saying no. Because when we do, we reject God's invitation to cease and to find rest in him. And we reject the gain he has to offer by being with him. As the Israelites would embrace this new freedom at Mount Sinai when the law was given, we have the opportunity to embrace freedom found in the Sabbath. There is beautiful freedom of rest when we say no to this system that we've bought into. Again, if we start with do's and don'ts, we get to legalism just like that. When we start with the character of God, when we start with what he is inviting us into, when we then understand what we have to gain and what we have to lose, those do's and don'ts don't mean anything. My life changes. My desire changes. And what I want to experience and what I want my family to experience on that day changes. And what I receive from God changes. Because here's the thing I've learned about God. He is an inviting, an offering, and a loving God, but he'll never cram it down your throat. He'll always allow you to reject the invitation if you so desire. I believe this area of Sabbath is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, of invitations still being offered to believers, believers who are rejecting it. And I believe that that shows up in our Christian life day in and day out. How does it show up? What is Sabbath inviting us to be free from? Here's the biggest thing, anxiety, anxiety. Now we understand anxiety in the sense of COVID in the last couple years, what it's brought, but I wanna talk much more broad than that. In fact, the number two cause of anxiety is schedule, busyness. The number one is relationships. But we often know that relationships are affected by schedule and busyness. So you can see how closely related this idea of schedule and busyness is to anxiety. And when you think anxiety, some of you dismiss it right away because you think, well, I don't have panic attacks, right? I don't have these anxiety attacks, you know, these type of things that I, that, that I hear people deal with. Oh, look much broader. Think about it in terms of stress. Think about it in terms of the constant thinking that can't be turned off. Think about it in the idea of the drive to do more and not take 
a day of rest. Most Americans will work all the way through on, in seven days, whether at their job that they're employed at or continuing work maybe around their house or showing up in uh, sports leagues, travel leagues, dances, uh, uh, any kind of thing, Boy Scouts, on and on and on you might list on that. And then we finally start to break and we need some getaway. We need some two-week vacation or a week vacation and we need to go spend our money and go somewhere. Nothing wrong with going somewhere, but most of us deal with it that way. But it never alleviates this cause of anxiety. In fact, most of our vacations, because what we know is go, 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 we schedule our vacations go, go, go as well. Anxiety, schedule, busyness. But what does God say? I'm not an anxious God. I don't demand that on you. I don't want that on you. I've never heaped that on you in any way. In fact, I want to keep delivering you out of that, out of systems of oppression that bring that into your life. And can I just say, it just like <coughs> the Israelites would understand the system of oppression under Pharaoh, there is a system under oppression that we find ourselves and yet we've bought into it and we keep living it out. And some of us, we even enjoy it, but it brings this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says, because the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but he rested on the seventh. Why? God understands the need to cease. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Because God found the need to cease, he said, I'm going to bless this day for everyone. Think about this. God ceased, rested, and then said, this is so good. I want to bless this for everyone. I want to set this apart for everyone. And yet you and I, we have almost the gall to say, God, no, I'm not interested. Not interested in what you have to offer. Listen, this world God is describing here is anxiety-free because its creator is anxiety-free. He invites his creation to be the same. That's what he's saying to us. And Sabbath is this invitation. God is saying this, by saying he's a God of Sabbath, by offering this, God is saying this, I am not Pharaoh. That is not my system. I will not heap that on you. I am a God who is different, different. We understand Jesus picks this up, this concept as well, and says, I don't want to heap anxiety on you either. Matthew chapter six, if you'll turn there now, we'll take a look at that. Jesus says one of the most famous things he's ever said that shows up on this idea of ceasing, of resting, of trusting God, and it's embedded in the concept of Sabbath because Jesus invites us out of the system of anxiety. Here's what he says, starting in verse 25 and goes through verse 31. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Woo, that's a challenge right away, right? That's Jesus saying, don't do this. And for some of us, we're like, hmm, I'm gonna do that. Jesus says, don't do it. But he says more. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't 
sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops in the barn, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Who among you is worrying by worrying can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work and they don't spin clothes. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow, it's thrown into the first, but God, furnace. But God does much more for you, for people of weak faith. Therefore, don't worry or say, what are we doing? Or what are we gonna eat? Or what are we gonna drink? Or what are we gonna wear? Listen, Jesus is inviting us, even in this passage, out of this system of constant worry and gain and commodity and more. And I need this, and I gotta do this. It's just simply saying this, go about the work that's in front of you and trust God, trust him. Even in the midst of resting and stopping and ceasing and taking this day, trust God, trust him that a 24-6 mentality can produce all that you need it to produce because God will provide and take care of you. The birds and lilies, they are examples of how God works and what God offers. You've seen birds, right? They go about fluttering and doing their business throughout, but God provides what they need. And you and I are the same. Not a God who doesn't ask us to work, but God who says you do not be, need to be defined by endless commodity and endless gain. There is Sabbath that I invite you into. Sabbath is the practice of choosing God's anxiety-free way. So I want you to think about it like this. Cease. Just stop. Stop for that day. Set apart. Set that day apart to go before God. Enjoy your family, enjoy time together, enjoy your church family, enjoy a worship service, but go before God in this full day, knowing that you don't have to gain in that day. You don't have to strive for more and more in this day. <clears throat> don't worry. These things equal Sabbath. This is what God is inviting us away from. That's what God wants. That's what he offers. And listen, I'm, I'm inviting you along to receive that this year as well. In fact, we're doing something a little bold this year. <clears throat> if you look at our activities and, and things, we have often, over the years, we've actually used Sunday as days where we do a little bit more. Maybe we'll have a committee meeting or a board meeting or stuff like this that we've added on after church. But this year, looking at this to say, those don't fit in the idea of rest, of gaining more and planning more. There's a time for all of that. I'm inviting the whole church into rest, into Sabbath. Next week, we'll talk about real practical ways that we can install this into the family. But please, don't start with the, the practical ways because you'll, you'll turn it into a list of do's and don'ts. Start with what we've talked about the last two weeks and understand who God is and what he's inviting you into. Would you bow and pray with me and let's, let's invite God to transform our thinking, our hearts, 
And maybe in this prayer, it's time for you to surrender to this concept of Sabbath. Let's pray. Lord, we hear your invitation. You are inviting us. You are saying, I am a God who is not obsessed with endless gain. And I don't want my people to be either. And I invite them to rest, to cease. If that's you this morning and you've rejected that up till now, if in your schedule you're just moving around and you know Sabbath is not, is not where you're starting, I want to invite you this morning. Would you go before God and would you commit? You don't even have to fully understand it or what it's going to look like. Would you just go before God and commit and say, God, I will honor you in Sabbath. I will receive your invitation to cease. Even if that means I, I'm going to fight this urge inside that I'm giving something up or I'm, I'm not getting something done, I will receive your invitation and trust you. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, here's one question to ask. Gather your family around and, and ask. Really, it's probably best to ask it right away. How can we as a family or how can I as a person, how can I institute Sabbath? in my life right away. What does that look like? Have a conversation centered around that question. Lord bless.